ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय पिद्रादिष्टा प्रजा सारगे तपसेनवमाशन Translation: When all these prachetas were ordered by their father to marry and beget children, they all entered the ocean and practiced austerities and penances for ten thousand years. Thus, they worshipped the master of all austerity, the supreme. personality of godhead purport sometimes great sages and ascetics enter the himalaya mountains in order to find seclusion from the turmoil of the world it appears however that all the prachetas the son of prachina barhi entered the depths of the ocean to perform austerity in a secluded place Since they performed austerities for ten thousand years, this incident took place in the Satya Yuga, when people used to live for a hundred thousand years. It is also significant that by their austerity they worship the master of austerities, Krishna, the personality of Godhead, the supreme personality of Godhead. If one wants to perform, if one wants to perform austerities and penances in order to attain the supreme goal. One must attain the favor of the supreme personality of Godhead. If one achieves the favor of the supreme Lord, it is to be understood that he has finished all kinds of austerities and penances, and has attained efficiency in their execution. On the other hand, if one does not attain the perfect stage of devotional service, all austerities and penances actually have no meaning, for without the supreme Lord, no one can attain the highest results derived from performing them. These last two sentences are a paraphrase of a verse from Narada Pancharatra. Can anyone say what it is? Hmm. Say it. Hmm. Say it loudly. Aradita. Yadi harim tapasatatakim. Naradita yadi harim tapasatatakim. सुप्रीम लॉर्ड Then what's the use of performing austerities? There's no need because you're already situated on the highest platform. Austerities are performed for achieving something better. But if you already if you already achieve the best path, then there's no need to go down to a lower path. On the other hand, if you don't worship Hari, 
then what's the point of performing austerities? If you don't come to that by performing austerities, you don't come to the point of serving Hari. And it's also useless. So either way it's useless. And if you see, that, uh, then it's a repetition. Slightly different. If one can see the Supreme Lord or is aware that the Supreme Lord is inside and outside of everything, then what tapasatatakim? What will what will be of that? What is the use of doing austerity? And if one doesn't see the Supreme Lord outside and inside of everything, then again, what's the use of performing any austerity? So it's yeah, it's uh, not giving much credence to the path of austerities. All right, we'll go on with Prabhupada's purport. As stated in Bhagavad Gita, Lord Krishna, Lord Sri Krishna is the master of all penance and sacrifices. Bhuktaram Yagyatapasam Sarvaloka Maheshwaram. Thus the desired result of, perform, of performing austerities may be derived from Lord Krishna. In Srimad Bhagavatam it is stated, Aho Bhata Shvapakto Togariyan Yajjivagre Vardate Namatu Bhyam Te Pustapas it's a great one for the Western devotees especially. Gives us some hope. <laughs> Here's the translation from Srila Prabhupada. Even if a person is born in a family of Chandalas, the lowest birth one can get in human society. He is glorious if he chants the holy names of the Lord. For it is, understood, it is to be understood that by such chanting, a devotee definitely proves that he underwent all kinds of austerities in his previous life. By the grace of Lord Chaitanya, one who chants the Maha Mantra, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, attains the highest perfectional stage, which had previously been attained by people who entered the ocean and executed austerities for 10,000 years. In this age of Kali, if a person does not take advantage of chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, which is offered as a great concession to the fallen human beings of this age, it is to be understood that he is very much bewildered by the illusory energy of the Lord. Can we put this fan on slow speed, please? Oh, it's, it's on or off. It's one of those, isn't it? It's very noisy. Well, what might be considered the uh, most noteworthy points in the verse, from the point of view of someone who's reading as a citizen of the world in the 21st century, hasn't been touched upon by Srila Prabhupada in his purport at all. The first thing is that, the, the first of these two points is that the Prachetas entered the ocean. And the second point is that they lived there for 10,000 years. So neither of these things seem to be very possible according to 21st century outlook. Srila Prabhupada hasn't commented on them in the purport at all. It's just taken for granted. That's all. Take it or leave it. If you believe it? All right. If you don't, not all right, but that's your bad luck. So, uh, it's described here, 
bad luck means that he didn't have faith. Bishma, what is that? This Mahaprasade Govinde Nama Brahmane Vaishnava Swapa Punyavatam Rajan Vishwasanai Vajayate. It is not a call for breakfast. It's quoting an important <laughs> shloka which says that people who have very little punya or pious activities, pious credits, such persons don't have faith in Mahaprasad. They think they're just some fool, that's all. Just fool, these silly people stick in front of a statue. That's what they think. Those silly people think like that. So people who don't have uh, much piety, they, they also don't have faith in Mahaprasad, in Govinda, in the Holy Name, or in the Vaishnavas. And this can be extended to that they don't have faith in the deity, they don't have faith in the Shastra, they don't have faith in the Dhams, and so on and so on and so on. So we're reading Srimad Bhagavatam with faith, Sarva Metadritangmanye, Yang Mahamradasi Keshava, that everything here is factual and real unless it's explicitly stated not to be so, as also comes in this fourth canto, the allegorical story of Maharaj uh, Paranja, which was told to Maharaj Prachina Varhisha. Here it's mentioned how the Prachetas entered the water and performed austerities, having taken an order from their father. This is also something which uh, in the modern world is considered wrong or it's not, not even considered. In the Western world, no father would even think to give his son any order. He might get arrested. You never know. He might get accused of child abuse. Something like this. Uh, there was one incident told to me. One Indian man in America emigrated. And uh, his son was in his early teens. His, uh, he was not... Anyway, he was misbehaving somehow or other. And his father slapped him. So he happened to tell his friend at school of this and they encouraged him to tell the police. And his father, you know, some respectable Indian gentleman, ended up in jail for six months. Such nonsense. And they wonder why there's, there's problems in society. They don't, they don't have the slightest idea how the society should be ordered. So anyway, uh, mostly sons, they... They're expected to follow the order of their father. People are afraid of following orders because they think that they'll be exploited, which is quite possible if one is not under the guidance of persons who are actually their well-wishers and persons who are not trained to understand what the purpose of life is. Then you may, we may be misled. So in the modern age, there's this idea, well, everyone should be independent and not take any orders from anyone else, which of course doesn't work at all, 
they say like that, that you should be independent and think for yourself, but practically in society, to do anything at all, there has to be hierarchy and structure and orders given and orders followed. You can't even begin to learn at school anything unless there's some discipline. There has to be some kind of respect for the teacher, although they try to downplay it as much as possible. Uh, you can imagine joining the army, and then the, the uh, avant-garde army, the undisciplined army. We're going we're gonna to make an experiment here. The experiment will result, if they actually go to battle, in a non-existent army, because they'll all be destroyed by the opposing forces. Or anything, I mean, you can, you can say, well, we don't want to accept any authority, but then if you go for a job, then uh, either you take orders or you're out the first day, the first moment. So there's always hierarchy and there's always orders. Uh, modern societies come down to the lamentable position that you only take orders if you get paid for it. You only, only if you had a job or something like this. But the natural order of human society, which modern anthropologists, psychologists and sociologists wouldn't accept that there's any natural order in human society, is that the father tells the children what to do but they think there's something wrong with us. The natural order is that between the two genders, men dominate in society and women don't dominate. But that's also considered wrong in modern society. Although as Srila Prabhupada pointed out, it's it's the natural order of human life, because women hold the babies, they have babies, and they are dependent upon their husband if they have one, which they should have, if they have babies. So they, they have to look after the children and save the children, but in the modern age the propaganda is that for women to have, to just do the normal thing that women have always done for, since, the, since uh, Lord Brahma, and Manu is to have children, that's considered something funny or wrong, or to look after your children, it's kind of, you should be an airline pilot, or go to Iraq and fight in the war. What are you doing having children? But it's uh, already, the, that seemed to be, uh, it, it's a self-destructive policy, because in the Western world, They've had this idea, don't have children. It's hamdo hamare do in India, or hamdo hamare ek in India. That's the propaganda. And then, but in the Western world, it's not hamdo, may ek hum. No, no need of any marriage. And women may or may not have children, mostly they don't have. And uh, then they don't have any people to do the work, so they, they import a bunch of uh, Arabs or whatever from. Africa or wherever, wherever, and they have lots of children because you know, Muslims don't believe in Hamdo Hamari And uh, then gradually they take over the population. And then, you know, the glorious Western civilization is 
in demographic difficulty because the the, uh, the Westerners aren't having children. And they've imported all these people who in some areas are greater in population than the what they might call the original, yeah, the original race that was living there. So anyway, these are just some of the things, as Srila Prabhupada often used to point out. The, uh, the defects of not following Shastra and what effect it has in human society. Srila Prabhupada was a practical Acharya. He, uh, he didn't always talk about Prem, and actually, he, if you examine, he didn't really talk about Prem very much at all. He spoke a lot about where we are at now and how we need to improve ourselves and how we can do so, or the only way we can do so, is by following the message of Shastra and applying that practically in our lives. And then by following this process, then Nitya Siddha Krishna Prem Shadha Kabunoi Shavanadi Shuddha Chite Koreye Udoi. That by following the process of hearing and chanting about Krishna, then naturally love for Krishna will arise. But Srila Prabhupada, as a practical Acharya, very much concerned with the uplift of the people of the world, he wasn't concerned with advertising himself as a Premi Bhakta. He was interested in factually doing something to help the people of the world uh, attain their original constitutional position in Krishna consciousness. So Srila Prabhupada, seeing the condition of the world being so miserably far away from anything, I want to speak of spiritually, even materially for their own well-being, Srila Prabhupada wanted to introduce the principles of Daivabhanashram society. And seeing the whole world uh, completely uh, upper swartha parayana, attached Everyone in the world very much attached to principles which is completely against their own self-interest. What could be more foolish than that? The uh, prime example of the on the cigarette packet is stated: smoking causes cancer, smoking causes death, smoking kills. On some, there's all varieties of the same kind of message, and still people buy it because they're attached to that which is against their self-interest, which that which gives them a tiny sensation of sensation, yeah, a tiny sensation, sense gratification. For that, they're so foolishly attached to that which will give them severe suffering in future. So many of these points, uh, um, Srila Prabhupada often spoke about, of course, he, his ultimate aim was to uh, bring people to the platform of Krishna Prem. But the normal condition in which Krishna consciousness has been preached has been within a society, well, within India to be precise, what we nowadays call India, which is a modern term, as you all know, uh, where the cultural climate has more or less been favorable to accepting Krishna consciousness. 
and even the method of propagating Christian consciousness, the traditional method of Christian, propagating Christian consciousness, is by uh, preaching according to Shastra. And people accept that saintly people are saintly people, and it's relatively easy to preach Christian consciousness in a, where there's a cultural background. It wasn't that previously Acharyas had to preach very much about following father's orders or, or basic points of Varnashram society. In, in fact, they would. we find actually in Bhagavad Dharma that the uh, not following the father's orders for the sake of Krishna consciousness, that is the, the ideal is given there of Prahlad Maharaj and the ideal of not following the the husbands or the elders is given in the gopis of Vrindavan who ran to Krishna despite being restrained by their husbands and elderly family members and the Yagyapatnis, the, the wives of the Brahmins who were told, don't go, don't have anything to do with this Krishna and Balaram, but still they did and they're glorified for that. However, um, before breaking the rules, if one understands the principle behind them, uh, one can do so without making a mess. It's just like some expert musicians. They, they improvise. They can do so because they know all the basic principles. But if someone just picks up an instrument and they don't have no idea how to play it, then their so-called improvisation will just be a cacophony. Which you, if you don't understand what the word means, you can imagine what it means from the context. <laughs> Sometimes our kirtans are like that. Fortunately, not in this temple so much. We have pretty good kirtans in here. But in some places... Yeah, we can applaud the bhav, but we just wish people could play in time and sing in tune, and basic things like that. So, mm, one should know and follow the basic principles. Otherwise, there's chaos in society and nothing can be organized. We also want to organize. This, this Krishna conscious movement means... Uh, it's not that everyone's moving in different directions and at different speeds uh, according to their own idea. There's a, a movement, being, it's an organization. And there has to be some discipline within that and every person's an individual and is as is much propagated in modern society, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but... Uh, Actually, in an organization, you may have your opinion, but it, it doesn't work democratically. There has to, I mean, there may be some measure of feedback on democracy and all this, but ultimately, someone has to make a decision. Not everyone may like that, but still, you have to go along with it. Otherwise, if everyone disagrees with everything, then you can't do anything. Because a movement means everyone is working together cooperatively. It has to be cooperation. Actually, we'll find later on in this uh, 
section, or maybe it's already gone, that Lord Vishnu, yeah, it's already passed, Lord Vishnu, he praised the Prachetas for their cooperative mood among themselves. He liked that. And Srila Prabhupada comments in the purport of that verse that the Supreme Lord is very satisfied when he sees devotees cooperating among themselves to serve the Supreme Lord. Yeah, I, I just recently got a letter, an email from Russia, where someone was asking me that, you see, there's some someone who comes to a Namahata meeting in my apartment, or oh, he came, and uh, he was stinking of alcohol and reeking of tobacco, and, you know, as, as uh, filthy, dirty, and everything about him was stinking and horrible. But anyway, even though he was drunk, he was uh, in a kind of respectful mood, and he didn't really cause any disturbance to anyone, except sometimes he made some funny noises, which drunken people often do. But uh, the leader of the local... Iskon or Hare Krishna group threw him out. And probably not literally, but I mean, probably didn't literally pick him up and toss him out the window, but uh, he ejected him. He wasn't allowed to stay. So there was some controversy over that. You see that, you see, even though he's drunk and he hasn't got the faintest idea what we're talking about because he's drunk or what we're doing, somehow or other he's come and we should be merciful to him and let him stay. And the example was given of Srila Prabhupada on the Bowery when the bum came in and put two rolls of toilet paper and muttered something incoherent. You can hear it on the recording. It's still there. And then he went out and everyone was thinking, well, it was a bum. There's plenty of them around here and I mean, he wasn't on the Bowery, it was on 26th Second Avenue. And Prabhupada said that he's made some advancement in Krishna consciousness, so the example was given. So, similarly, this person uh, should have been allowed to stay and get the mercy by hearing the holy names and just being there. But the leader of the group thought, no, he should be ejected. So, some people didn't like that. Of course, uh, it could be argued and that, well, we don't have anything against him personally, but uh, at the same time we are trying to preach to what might be called more normal members of society, who uh, most of them are not that advanced that they'd like to come back to a meeting in which the, uh, you know, you have to hold your nose all the way through it or light three packets of incense. Uh, so, and they don't really like to sit with a, a, a derelict and uh, you know, someone who's sitting quite peacefully, but you never know because he's drunk, he might jump up at any time and do anything completely crazy. So there's a good, good grounds for not allowing him to stay also. And even though you may say, well, it's very merciful to him, at the same time, you know, he's, he's not a prime candidate for becoming Krishna conscious. He's not as good a candidate as the others who are uh, more likely to uh, 
not come back at all. So it could be argued on both sides. But someone had to make a decision. The person in charge had to make a decision. And everyone may not agree with it or like it, but someone had to make a decision. And whenever you make a decision, there's going to be some people who don't agree with it, but at the same time, you have to make decisions. Otherwise, you can't do anything. If you, if you just uh, go on without making decisions, then uh, everything either becomes chaotic or someone steps in who does make decisions and takes charge. That's what usually happens. So, those who do make decisions, they often are the uh, butt of various snide remarks. As Srila Prabhupada comments in the first canto purport that uh, what's exactly the word? One of Prabhupada's you know, brilliantly sums it all up in one sentence. But that the uh, those who are administrators are often uh, criticized by the very people who they're working for the betterment of. They don't appreciate. They don't appreciate that, that this person is uh, trying to help me and everyone else, but the people usually see things in terms of their own self-interest, and if their self-interest is affected, what they per- if, if they perceive that their self-interest is affected, then they're not very happy. We see this in modern society that... Uh, Politicians make some decision which favors one group of people, another group is disfavored by that, and the other group protests because their own self-interest has been uh, diminished by certain decisions. Just like some of you may remember during the VP Singh government when this reservation was introduced and there were many protests, from, especially from young Brahmins, young boys of the Brahmin caste, and some of them even burned themselves alive to protest. That was a pretty, pretty extreme protest. And uh, anyway, the, uh, the uh, reservation system was calculated to win votes, so there wasn't much chance of it getting repealed, even though it works against the interest of the higher castes and here's a subjective come objective statement it probably works against the interest of the nation also to uh, to reserve places in colleges for people not at all on the basis of merit but on the basis of their caste it's casteism in reverse so, anyway, the, the point being made here is that, which again, it's not a point I really didn't get through to what Srila Prabhupada is talking about in the purport, but I just, I was going to just mention briefly some of the words in the verse, and I didn't get to the purport yet. Anyway, uh, the point that I was making is that the Father gave orders and the potatoes followed them. 
they're ordered to beget children. So they didn't just do that immediately. They didn't just like animals start begetting children. But they thought they had to prepare themselves for this because it's a very responsible thing to do. Not like in the modern world where as the great philosopher of the modern Western world, John Lennon said, you may not know who he is, those who are in the Western world may know who he is. The present generation probably don't. But he was actually one of the most influential people of our generation. So one thing he said, it's a, an apt comment, is that most children nowadays are born over a bottle of whiskey on Saturday night. In other words, the father and maybe the mother or to-be get drunk and uh, after a short time, the woman says, well, I think I'm pregnant. And then we go to the doctor and have some tests and say, well, you are pregnant. And if they are kind enough not to have an abortion, then nine months or so later, the population of the world increases by one. So that's the way the that's the way the world is. That's how most children are born in the modern world. It's just uh, born out of uh, not just like in India. You see, people they, they recite their family trees coming down from Brahma through some rishi, and uh, our my family tree is uh, Scotch whiskey. <laughs> Not sure exactly who my father was, but my mother said, I, the one I, who I think your father is was pretty drunk at the time, and I was too, so I can't, can't remember his name or anything, but uh, anyway, it was good whiskey. We enjoyed it. And by the way, you came too. Free gift with a bottle of whiskey. So they were very serious in Vedic culture about these uh, important things. Having children is a very important thing. And as I was saying in the modern world, they, uh, they think it's just for stupid. Only stupid women have children, but... Uh, yeah, but then uh, that means that if you're really intelligent, you, you work hard, you have a career, and all this kind of thing, but then there's no children, or, there, or there's no proper attention given to children. So the Prajetas, they were very serious about this, they were very serious about being fathers. They didn't just want to produce some Varna Sankara, as Arjuna mentions in Bhagavad Gita. They're very serious. If we're going to produce children, they'd better be, we'd better invite through our activity of producing children uh, souls who are serious about God-realization. Otherwise, what's the point? Otherwise, having children like cats and dogs, as Srila Prabhupada used to say, that's of no real benefit to the world. Children should be produced. Here we say children are produced. It's not exactly like a factory production, but it's... Uh, children should be produced who are going to be of a very high caliber, who by their behavior and their realization 
are a credit to the family and, and uh, an asset to human society. So the projectors, they took up austerities. They, uh, to prepare themselves for the grave responsibility of begetting children. So this is in Satya Yoga, people used to live for a hundred thousand years, and of that they spent ten thousand years, or one, one tenth of their expected lifespan, performing austerities, so that they would be themselves of suitable consciousness, suitably purified, to uh, beget worthy children. So by this austerity, they worshipped the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In these days it's not possible to worship the Supreme Personality of Godhead by exactly the same method as the Prachetas undertook, because we're not capable of entering the water and staying there very long. And we don't live very long. And we're not at all accustomed to performing any austerity, except maybe the most uh, light austerity. So, in Kali Yoga, the great dispensation of Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, as Srila Prabhupada mentions here, and mentions again and again and again is to chant the names of Krishna, especially the Maha Mantra, which Srila Prabhupada has mentioned here in the purport. Those who have read Srila Prabhupada's books up to the fourth canto, they must be well aware what the Maha Mantra is because Srila Prabhupada often mentions it, but nevertheless he puts it here again. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare. Hari Rama, Hari Rama, Rama Rama, Hari Hari. So we can attain the same perfection that persons in previous ages achieved by performing very difficult, through performing very difficult austerities, we can achieve the same perfection by chanting the holy names of Krishna. And Srila Prabhupada finishes his purport to this verse by making the observation or informing us that in this age of Kali, if a person does not take advantage of chanting the Hare Krishna mantra, which is offered as a great concession to the fallen human beings of this age, it is to be understood that he is very much bewildered by the illusory energy of the Lord. The chanting Hare Krishna is a concession. Actually, human life is meant for austerity. But we're not fit for that in this age. So, as a great concession, all right, you're not, we're not fit. So, ch chant Hare Krishna. We're not fit for very severe austerity. So, chant Hare Krishna. So, if we don't do that, then we're really saatnaha, puman bhavadhing nataret saatnaha. If we don't take advantage of all the facilities for becoming Krishna conscious, then we are. Uh, committing suicide, Lord Krishna says. It's killing our own spiritual prospects, working against our own real self-interest. So, Hare Krishna, is there any question about this, please? Yeah, please ask.
was saying that my accord should make separate from India and make our own country. You heard that. Well, I don't know what it's going to do with the verse under discussion. I never heard it. You may have said it, but at least I never heard it. Uh, if you want to check the veracity of this statement, please ask Jaipataka Maharaj or Bhavananda Prabhu, because between them, they, they know pretty much everything Prabhupada said about Mayapur. I mean, these two especially, they were the two. There were others, but they were the two who stayed and uh, as leaders of the Mayapur project, and they, between them, they pretty much know all of Prabhupada's instructions for Mayapur, which were given verbally and, and which we don't have in writing in the Veda base. I didn't hear that, but what I did hear, I, I actually heard this from Tapamoy, who's there close to you in Govardhan now, is that, uh, this was years ago when he was Tapamoy Brahmachari, he was saying that we should have, not exactly our own, I never heard it, our own country, but it was our own um, monetary system. That we should have, uh, we should be independent from the economic system, produce all our own food, our own cloth, and there wouldn't be much money used, but there would be, uh, what was it, Tapamoy told me, Lira, just like in, Prabhupada had mentioned, like the Lira maybe just come from Italy, so he's saying there should be the, the Gora or something, I can't remember exactly. Chaitanya says, yeah, you can ask Tapamoy about that. But get it, better get it confirmed by Bhavananda and Jagatag Maharaj, because he, he must have heard it from them. Because I don't think that uh, Prabhupada spoke so much to Tapamoy directly. Maybe Bhagavad, he was one of those in the early days. Yeah, but better to get it verified. And better not propagate it either, because, you know, it could, you could get our movement in a lot of trouble with the Indian government. And the, the, the reason why I'm mentioning this is because uh, the Prabhupada would say, uh, according to that idea, mm. that we separate Mayapur from India, make an almas, and every capital throughout the world is an embassy of this country, mm. and then you can make an almas in the temple. Yeah, exactly being another country, I don't know. I mean, it sounds very impractical to have a to have a country which is, you know, this temple, it's like, you know, less than an acre. It's uh, smaller than the Vatican City, which is the smallest country in the world, as far as I know. And But even the Vatican City, I mean, it's although it's theoretically an independent country, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I mean, it has its own internal management, but uh, for all intents and purposes, it works as part of Italy. And although the papal states used to have their, they used to be a, a, really a separate country. In the, uh, but nowadays you see if there's the, although they theoretically have their own guards in the Vatican, and practically the internal security, if there's any threat, it's the Italian government police who's going to do that. So I would think. In general, I would say it's more in line with Prabhupada's way of thinking to make the whole country Krishna conscious. Maybe starting with our own embassies, like that. Yeah, we can create our. Yeah, we should have our own laws. Yeah, we, well, 
It should be verified because it is controversial and it's difficult to understand also. Because for one thing, no government's going to allow you to do that, is one thing. Uh, maybe to some extent they might allow it. I mean, there are, to some extent, just like for instance, in many organizations have their own security arrangements. And the, the security guards within the premises of that company or then, uh, you know, they have powers to act practically as police. Although they can't try people in a civil court, but they can, through the, through the company administration, say if, say if a, a worker is nabbed, stealing, or something like that, they can be, they can be, uh, they can, they'll go through the administrative system of the company, and then they may be, uh, they may be suspended, they may be fined, they may be thrown out from work, like this. So to some extent that, that goes on in major companies throughout the world, that they do have their own administrative system. But uh, you can't escape certain, I mean many of the laws you can't escape, just like for instance in our movement, uh, we might well, this is, this is something facing our movement at the present time. In the Western world, they're insisting that all religions comply with their ideas of gender equality and uh, homosexuality. And they're trying to enforce that. They're, that in, uh, in the Western world, there, there are, it looks like it's coming in in many countries that if a, if a if an institu a religious institution which is authorized to perform marriages refuses to do so for homosexuals, then they'll get their license rescinded. So that's not happened yet, as far as I know, but it's, you know, there are rumbles, the volcano's rumbling. So how to react to that? Well, that's one thing our leaders have discussed. You might say, well, come to India. Well, they may do the same thing in India also. Then what are you going to do? Go to a Muslim country. And then you have other problems. I, if I can be permitted to indulge, maybe I shouldn't. I was going to say a little bit of mental speculation here. but Well, I have a feeling that Islam may become very prominent in the world in the future up, not very distant future, because with, with the decadence of the Western world, people will want to look to something which has very clear moral standards. Now, we, we don't like, we're against homosexuality, and for all that, divorce is allowed in Islam, I and mean, basically it is a pro-family religion. Maybe not in Pakistan, where the divorce the allowance for divorce is misused, but in other, in other, actually, if you if they actually divorce according to the Sharia, then they, they have to say talak once, wait six months, then say talak again, and wait six months, and then they can divorce. But in modern India and Pakistan, talak, 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 they say three times, and your wife is out the door. So it's a misuse of that. But basically, it's you know it's a very simple no. Excuse me, um, it's not very uh, philosophical kind of uh, 
I mean, there has been philosophy in it, but modern Islam is not presented like that. It's, you could say, simplistic. And it's, you do this, you do this, you do this, you do this, you don't do this, you don't do this, and there's some moral standards, it's clear, and uh, it's, a, it's a, a aggressively propagating, so I feel it may, it may become prominent in the modern world, due to, or in the upcoming world, due to the, uh, as I say, the decadence of modern society in which everything goes, and, uh, and even the uh, Christian sects, they're mostly capitulating to this uh, sinfulness, actually, in the form of, well, many of them already accept abortion and divorce, and, uh, and now many of them are accepting homosexuality. And Western civilization is finished. It's just, it's a rotten hulk waiting to collapse. They have, because without moral strength, they can't, you can't go on. They, it's just like the Roman Empire went on for so many years on the strength of what they had done before. But internally they were rotten and eventually they were overrun by, by who? By the, uh, well, the savages. Not the, anyway, I can't remember exactly. Genghis Khan and all these people. So you, we, you get strength from following principles. And uh, that's true in ISKCON also. If we stick to our principles, we'll have strength. If we, if we water everything down, then uh, there won't be any potency. If we stick strongly to our principles, even if it's unpopular in the modern world, then people who are seeking the truth will come. But if we try to make it available to everyone, then no one will come. Because why should they come to us? Because there's nothing special. We have nothing special to offer. If we allow, if we become synonymous with modern society, except that we're vegetarians, uh, well, even many people in modern society are vegetarians, then what, what special thing do we have to offer? I mean, even kirtan now in the Western world, this kirtan has become popular among people who are avowedly non-devotees. They just like it as a kind of Relaxation technique, semi-spiritual relaxation technique, but they don't, they no, no uh, idea, or they, they don't want anything to do with bhakti. But it's just you know they do kirtan and then you wind down and all the stress goes away and it's fun. So even kirtan you can get without joining iskon. So what is our what is our specialty? The, the resolve to surrender to Krishna and to follow. Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra, against the grain of modern society, against uh, what is presented by Srila Prabhupada, he's presented Shastra as it is, without any change. And many of the things he presents, they go against the principle, or the, the lack of principles, or the, the unprincipledness of modern society. Not only on the moral platform, but even on the platform of what's accepted as, as common knowledge. Prabhupada goes, he's, he's, Prabhupada is strongly and vocally against the, uh, that, that man has landed on the moon and he says that 
they could not have done because the moon is further away than the sun. And it's controversial. Some of Prabhupada's followers, supposed to be followers, find it embarrassing. But Srila Prabhupada, he, he knew that it wasn't popularly accepted and nevertheless he was very vocal about this point. So actually it too, to really join the Hare Krishna movement means to become a part of a socially unacceptable cult. We're trying to prove that we're, in the Western world, we're trying to prove that we're not a cult, but according to their definitions, we are. Of course, we don't want to, we don't want to be lumped in with all these various foolish speculative movements. We want to show that this is a, this is, it's not something new that someone has dreamed up, and it's an ancient tradition. But in terms of believing in and following things which are uh, considered foolish or socially reprehensible, I mean, our movement is that. And in modern India too, I mean, many of the things which Srila Prabhupada stood for and spoke against, many people in, most people in modern India think that it's wrong. And most, probably most of our devotees in India, from what I can observe, don't really believe that some of the things Prabhupada said are true, or that they should be followed, just like Prabhupada was for, for early marriage. And most educated people in India think that that's wrong, because they're educated like that, by the modern demoniac education system. And most people in modern India, including most of our devotees, or many of our devotees, think that, that uh, women should go out and work etc., etc., etc. So, to be a follower of Srila Prabhupada, it means actually to hold views. Well, hold views is a, is a term coming from the relativistic society, but it means to be convinced of things which, uh, in modern society, like I say, they're either considered unimaginably foolish or totally reprehensible. So, if we actually want to join the Hare Krishna movement or follow Srila Prabhupada, then it means to be, a, be a, not in tune with modern society. But then the point is, the modern, as, uh, getting back to what I was saying in the beginning of class, that modern society itself is completely out of tune. It's cacophonic. And for real harmony, we have to get in tune with Krishna. That's the whole point. All right, Hare Krishna.